Hi, friend. Welcome back to The Everyday Evangelist. I'm Jessica Dudek, Director of Evangelization at Christ the King Catholic Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and this is your landing ground for practical tips and tools for sharing the faith in the day-to-day. Today, we're talking about temptation and how we can overcome it by clinging to Christ in the Scripture. Temptation is kind of a funny and difficult thing. We all experience it. Um, Every human being who's ever lived has been tempted, and it's extremely important that Jesus allowed himself to experience temptation. So in allowing himself to experience temptation, then first off, we know that this is to be expected in the human condition. Now, there's two very important things we have to do when temptations rise up inside of our lives. And the first is to identify it as quickly as we possibly can so as to uproot it. We know that What starts in our thoughts become our words, become our actions, become our character. So the most heinous crimes and the downturn of society starts in the invisible. It starts in the internal. It begins with a desire. But the second highly important thing to focus on with temptation is to dichotomize and understand that while temptation leads to sin, temptation is not sin. It is not a sin to be tempted. The definition of temptation is that it is a desire. Specifically, it's a desire usually to do something unwise or harmful even, but temptation and sin are not the same. Yes, temptation does lead to sin and is the start of sin, but to be tempted is not the same thing as to sin. So to understand temptation better, we're going to look at the temptation of Christ. So this is Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. So there's a lot to unpack in this scripture about how the devil goes about Jesus and how Jesus battles back and kind of overcomes this temptation. Let's look specifically at what the devil does and kind of what his aim is in this. So first of all, the enemy comes to Jesus when he's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, He's completely alone. And we know that Jesus went into this place in particular. But what the Lord is showing us is that the enemy preys on vulnerability. 
So he finds us when we're weak. He finds us when we're vulnerable um, or even when we're taking big steps spiritually because Jesus has just been baptized, which is his entrance into public ministry. So the moment that Jesus' mission on earth has become public and he you know, goes and spends his time in the desert, that's the part where the enemy wants to rush in. So first thing to know about the enemy is he hits us where we're vulnerable and he hits us where we are seeking to grow closer to God. What's fascinating about this series of temptations that the devil brings him through is that this series of temptations actually parallel the triduum. So the first off, the devil says, um, tells him to command these stones to become loaves of bread. So with that, we see the empty promise of the devil in that he is promising Jesus the experience of eating bread, but what he's really telling him to do is to eat rocks. And this parallels Holy Thursday when Jesus gives his body as bread for the world. So the devil is trying to tell him to turn rocks into bread when Jesus turns his body into bread and feeds the entire world um, and gives life and salvation through bread, which is why Jesus responds with man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, because it's by the word of Christ that the bread becomes his body, that his body becomes bread. Next up, the devil tries to convince him to throw himself off that high point. And what he tells him is he says, the angels, um, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you not dash your foot against a stone. So again, empty promise compared with actual invitation. The devil is saying, oh, if you throw yourself off this mountain, then you'll experience yourself being carried and caught by the angels. But what he's telling him to do is essentially commit suicide. Whereas what Jesus does on Good Friday is he very intentionally lays his life down for the world. He doesn't haphazardly throw himself down with the you know, hope or dream of being caught spiritually in the full empowerment that he has as God and man. He tells the angels to, to stand back and he very specifically gives of himself. Lastly, the devil shows Jesus the world, promises him the world if he will worship him. So once again, empty promise saying, you will have reign over the world, but what he's really asking of Jesus is to relinquish all power and worship the devil. Now, the devil doesn't really have a right to this because Jesus is the king, but also it's through his death and his resurrection that he reestablishes his reign on earth and people are invited into that eternal relationship with God, which is why Jesus responds with worship the Lord your God and serve him only, is because while the enemy is saying, worship me, Jesus has come to reestablish that connection between God and man. So what have we learned about the devil so far? First of all, he only ever gives empty promises that actually lead us into destruction if we follow those things. Um, but he also attacks identity, mission, and relationship with God. 
you know, the devil tells Jesus to worship him, to step out of that relationship that he has with the father and worship him instead. He tries to get him to throw himself off that high point, you know, and step away from the mission of what he came to do on earth, which was freely lay his life down. And he tries to make him eat rocks, which is this distortion of giving of his body as a bread for us so that we could be connected to him in communion for all time. So when we're looking at what temptation looks like and how this plays out in our own lives, these are going to be common patterns that we see, is that the devil is going to give us empty promises, promising one thing while really giving something else. And he's going to attack our identity, our mission, and our relationship with God. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which is the opposite of what Jesus does on the cross, where instead of stealing, he gives his body freely. Where the devil wants to kill, Jesus rises from the dead. And where the enemy wants to destroy, Jesus makes us a new creation in him. So what do we do? when we experience temptation, how do we overcome this? Well, let's follow Jesus's example. He goes back to the scripture every single time. And that becomes this bedrock, this foundation, this unshakable structure for wavering, uh, for avoiding wavering, for overcoming the lies of the devil. And so with that, what he does in highlighting scripture is he uncovers the lie that the devil is trying to feed him. You know, the devil tells him that he needs bread. And Jesus says, the word of God says that man does not live on bread alone. So he uncovers and kind of debunks the lie. But in that, in the uncovery uh, or in the recovery of the truth also lies in what Jesus actually has to do instead. He has to cling to the word of God, cling to his identity as the son of God. And that's our invitation too. When we experience temptation, we want to run from it, but we want to not run before unpacking what's going on. We can avoid temptation in a moment, but to kind of long-term overcome something like a more systemic temptation, we need to take the time to unpack the lie the devil is trying to give us. What empty promise is he making us? So this is a little bit easier to identify whenever we have more addictive temptations. The kind of classic or easy example is that of sexual temptation. You know, the devil makes us think that if we engage um, in an unholy sexual interaction, that that's going to fulfill that need, fulfill that longing, make us feel good about ourselves. And like any addiction, we feel better for the moment and then feel so much worse after and actually have to work harder to get to that point of comfort, security, or satisfaction. So the kind of empty promise is a little bit more obvious when our temptations are kind of very hard and fast and in something that you don't even have to be a Christian to identify as as harmful. But it's a little harder when our temptations 
are more hidden, whether that's in like a negative thought process or if we struggle with envy and just a general kind of feeling bad about ourselves, it's harder work to unpack. Well, what is the empty promise of the devil if I press into envy? Like if I let myself be extremely envious or jealous, what is the devil promising me there? Well, he's not promising anything good. He's just on this pathway of kind of dragging us down and really keeping us stuck. Now, when we're tempted towards envy or something more invisible like that, you know, the Lord wants to kind of step in and reveal the true desires of our heart. And there's an invitation from God to bring those desires to Him, let Him speak life and speak direction into those things. And I think those more invisible temptations look a little bit more similar to when the devil is tempting Jesus to throw himself off the cliff. And he's not promising Jesus something beautiful there. I mean, the other times he's saying like, oh, you'll eat bread if you command the stones, you know, to be bread and you'll have the world if you worship me. And he's saying to Jesus with that one temptation, like, oh yeah, the angels will catch you. But really all he's telling him to do is, is jump off a cliff. And there's this whisper that something good will follow, but the inherent action is clearly not in Jesus' best interest. But so even when there isn't a kind of clear lie from the devil, if that's harder to unpack or identify, the flip side of temptation is going to be an invitation from God, Um, an invitation into recognizing his promises in our lives and drawing closer and stepping into more of a place of healing and fulfillment just with him. So when we're experiencing temptation, we can follow that pathway of, you know, unpacking the lie, identifying the invitation, and recognizing that the devil is going to go after our identity, our mission, and our relationship with God. What the enemy wants is he wants us to feel bad about who we are and to run from who we are because who we are is we are reflections of God. We are His creation. We are His children whom He desperately, dearly loves. And that is not what the enemy wants us to experience because when we know our identity, then from there, we step into mission. From there, God calls us to live into who He created us to be. Because for each person on earth, they have a unique mission. You have a unique mission. There are things that you were created to do, someone you were created to be that nobody else can be. And there's a way that when we step into our calling and our identity, that we achieve something on this world that would not be achieved otherwise. And so, of course, the enemy doesn't want to step into that because what that means is that means sainthood. That means eternity with God. That means salvation for us and for other people. And that means the world becoming the beautiful kingdom of God that Jesus brings about and calls us to bring about. And the fulfillment of our identity and the fulfillment of our mission can only be known and only identified in a relationship, in a safe, trusting relationship with God. So, In our temptations, we're not alone. 
Jesus gets it. He's walked it. He walked it intentionally so that we know we can run to him and he'll help us to identify what are the lies we're believing. What way is the enemy twisting the truth to try to change our actions? How is he calling us away from our identity, our mission, and our relationship with God? And how can we kind of come back on track? And we come back on track with that kind of intellectual, emotional understanding and those steps we've already laid out. And spiritually, we come back on track by receiving Jesus anew, by receiving that word of God, receiving him in the Eucharist, receiving Jesus' intentional death and resurrection, and claiming him as king over our lives. And the Lord wants to cut off temptation in its earliest stages, which really means renewal of the mind and healing of our identities in him. And lastly, the enemy only has the power that we give him and the power that we allow in our lives. And through the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to give him any power. We are children of God, and we can accomplish all things in his name. So in all things, lean on the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.